Right, so Gillian, thank you for your time. It's really good to meet you. I'm really interested to hear why you first contacted Citizens Advice Bureau. Well, in May last year, I um, got diagnosed as having um, ovarian cancer. Um, I was working full-time right up until that point. What sort of work were you doing? I'm a kitchen assistant in a care home, and I work um, 33 and a half hours, which is more or less Clusters full time. I did carry on working when I got my diagnosis at first. Um, then I got terrible pains in my feet and my legs, which is one condition that the pressure was going down into my body and making my legs and my feet swell. So I had to come out of work a week early than, than was planned. Um, and basically I didn't return back to work for quite a number of months. And I found it really hard because I was used to a very good wage coming in monthly of paying my bills regular and everything. I began, I began to struggle. Um, I was just living on statutory sick pay, um, which is basically £89 per week. And of course, you still have all your bills to be, be paid. And there was people, the housing benefit people was coming around getting me to fill forms in and I just... My, my mind wasn't working, basically. I just couldn't think straight. And it was through a family member, and she said, ring the sitting's advice, you need some help and some support. Um, how long was it after diagnosis of cancer before you really felt that you just weren't coping with, you know, just domestic duties and running running the house? I'd say it was approximately maybe about two months down the line. M- me being a very independent person... Thought, oh, I'll I'll put in for this, and I'm going to put in for that, and um, and I filled all my um, PIP application forms in myself. I went for a medical with my daughter because obviously I, I was in a wheelchair for about four weeks, um, so she attended all my appointments with me. Went for my PIP appointment, waited for the outcome. I got turned down for the PIP. My my sister was helping me as well. Um, so she rang them up and asked what the next step was. So they said uh, mandatory reconsideration. So we did that and we got down, turned down again. Um, was it a complete shock to you to be turned down? Yes, it was, to be honest, because I thought it's an illness. I didn't, I didn't ask for it. I'd have been quite happily carrying on working in full-time employment. In the back of my mind, I kept thinking, if my pip comes so I'll manage more. And I never in this world did I think they would turn me down for Pip because to me it's an illness. So Sarah, mm-hmm. this seems like just a straightforward case. Someone who's been working for quite a number of years in a steady job, coping with uh, the finances of running a home like this, no, no trouble at all. It seems quite a straightforward case for you to deal with that, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like this needs support, but somehow that support wasn't there. What what sort of advice, what sort of help did you um, initially give? Okay, um, I think the thing with PIP is that it's a benefit that is available for people who have an ill health condition, a disability, um, an illness like what we've been describing. Um, but you can also still work with that. <clears throat> it, isn't a, it doesn't mean you don't have to work or you can't work or what have you. You can still continue to work. So with that in mind... I was a bit shocked myself when I found that she wasn't entitled to it. But when we looked at the outcome, you were actually only two points off being awarded it. 
So we decided that actually it would be a good idea jointly to to pursue it even further because there would have been some information missed. You know, something wasn't right and there was, you were a couple of points off. So we decided the best thing to do is, is, is to appeal it rather than making a fresh application because providing Gillian is entitled to it and we're hoping that she is with the medical evidence that we're trying to obtain she'll get that money backdated to the point that she put the application originally in. How reassuring was it for you Gillian to um, to have that sort of advice from Sarah? I felt as though a lot of the weight had been taken off my shoulders uh, to be honest I just when I got turned down on the reconsideration I just thought do you know what it's causing me more stress I just just let it drop just struggle don't bother I'd looked through the, the, the paperwork and this is how my mind wasn't focusing right. I wasn't concentrating. I actually didn't know that I was only two points short. And I'd have just, I could have looked at them many a time and never realised until Sarah and a colleague had come down. What would you have done to cope? To be honest, I think I'd have just let everything go. My main job was getting me out of this house to my hospital appointments and I wanted to live, I want to live. So my, my main concern was my treatment and all the rest. I, I just didn't care. And it was that bubble that I felt safe in of just thinking, go for your treatment, forget about everything else. So it was piling up and piling up. Another thing that upset me was, yes, I'd put in for housing benefit, but they don't give the, the old city council don't give it chance to be put into process and sort it, sort out before they keep ringing you up and saying you, you're 400 pound in arrears, you're 500 pound in arrears. Why don't they give people chance who have got an illness and their, their offices chance to catch up and sort out what benefits you are entitled to? It must click in their head that you're living on 89 pounds, so you're obviously not going to pay full rent. So we won't press her yet, but nearly every other day I had an area manager in my living room and I can see why people, some people maybe do take their own life because I want far from it because they, they never left me alone. And she did, they did all that for no reason at all because there was a big chunk of housing benefit to be paid, but why pressurise somebody who's ill and trying to cope with treatment? I just felt like either walking out the door and not coming home or going to work. To be honest, it didn't really stop there though, did it? Because no. once you went back to work on your reduced hours, you went back on your normal full money. So that altered your housing benefit entitlement yeah. again. But what you're dealing with is an area office and then the people that are sorting out your housing benefit and the housing benefits got a delay on it when there's a change of circumstances that often gets suspended and there's a change of circumstances, but that doesn't stop the yeah. t- tenancy officers getting in touch and pressing clients for for the rent. And so you were trying to deal with it because you'd had a problem with your gas and your electric. Then obviously sorting out your your PIP side of things. And then on top of that, whilst you're trying to get yourself back into work, you've got housing, you've got a housing office contacting you and threatening you to pay your rent. Yeah. And actually the calculation that they were doing um, because of how your income fluctuated was quite complex, wasn't it? And we had to sit down and you were getting... You were getting forms through the door almost every day with slightly different figures on. And they yeah. are difficult, even for us as advisors, they're difficult to they sort through and work out what, what it is that they're actually calculating. Is this a common story, Sarah? 
Yes, unfortunately, yes, it is. We, you know, we see people in situations where we'd like to be able to say, okay, this is what you do. This is what you do to, you know, to sort of, especially people who are experiencing financial hardship, especially people who are suffering with ill health or mental health conditions to be able to say, oh, we've got this pot of money. There you go. I mean, we have a very small mm-hmm. fund that we've helped you with occasionally oh, yes. because yeah. you've needed money for gas and electric whilst you were having your treatment. And you just had no way of getting any money to get that on in the house. That's right. I mean, because I was housebound, it's a big house. It's a big three-bedroomed house with a throw lounge, so it takes a lot of eating. Uh, Out of that £89, £30 per week was going in my gas alone because the last thing I needed to get was pneumonia on top of my illness. Or if I just picked a common cold up, that would put my treatment a setback. So I had to keep this eating on to make sure that I didn't get a cold. And then obviously, I, when we're not being very well, I was sometimes nauseous, so close. There was washing to be done. If I had a little accident or whatever, washing to be done again. So you was looking at maybe 30 pounds, well, 30 pounds, that was definite in my gas. And you're looking at 15 pounds a week in your electric. But they don't look at that side of it. They don't take into the account of, of what you're paying out it's what you're getting in and the, the, it, I just felt really pressurised. To the point, I actually did go back to work while I was still on my radiotherapy because that's how financially pressurised I felt because all the financial debt was piling on my head. I thought, I'm going back to work. And then I thought, I'm going to have to ring Citizens Advice up and have a word with Sarah and ask Sarah if there's anything she can do to help me. Once again, they stepped up for me and helped me with gas and electric. Can you tell us about that support, Sarah, that particular support, that sort of emergency provision almost of gas and electric? Yeah, what we've got is we've got a very small pot of money that's available for clients where there is nothing else available. So where there is literally no other source of support so we can use that quite creatively. Um, we've used it for people's prescriptions. We've used to help people pay shortfalls in rent or deposits. Um, we've used it quite often for gas and electric and food when there's literally nothing else available. We have had quite interestingly statutory services within Hull City Council making referrals to us to access a pot of money when they could use their statutory duties to make money available for people that they're supposed to be supporting. I was that poorly, I wasn't embarrassed about it. When Sarah come to visit me the first time here, I can honestly say I think my cupboard was basically nearly bare when I was on statutory sick pay. There was nothing there. Yet Sarah had said, we can give you some vouchers to go to the Tesco's and get yourself some shopping. And you see on my treatment, they expected me to have full fat things, which so your cost of living goes up because they want you to have full cream and dairy products with a lot of fat in. These type of things nowadays cost a lot of money. It, it just all was escalating to, to having no food in the cupboard, to keeping me gas on, to having the electric going, to getting to hospital. And, you know, it, it, it was just a, a very hard emotional time. I found it really stressful. What were the first things you you had to give up, um, you know, back in just after diagnosis or when you first 
began to run into some financial troubles, what were the first things that you let go that you just didn't spend your money on anymore? Uh, well, obviously, I have no landline, so I have a mobile phone. I thought people want me, they'll have to ring me. Simple as, I can't afford to top that one of necessity. I thought if I need emergency services, I can ring na na na. So I thought anybody else wants me, they're going to have to ring me, which made me feel cut off even more because then I, got, I can't talk to my family on the phone unless they rung me. Or if I needed services, I, I used to think, well, rather than top this up, top a mobile up five or ten pound, I'll go to my neighbour next door and say, this 50p or pound, can I use your landline? And it, it's it's simple things like this. What people don't realise how you're having to live like when, when you reduce that amount of money. Obviously, I couldn't go out buying clothes. I couldn't go out socialising. There was just no money to do anything with. So you're back at work now? I am back at work now, okay. yeah. Tell me about that. How are you coping with that? I've had a few little mishaps, a, a bit, of, a, a couple of days on sick, but I am, I am finding it a bit tiring. But it's better than being at home, um, living on reduced funds. If I need to, if I need to stay off work, I actually I'll stay off. I know when I, if I've pushed myself too far. Um, my employment have been really good with me. The, when I first went back, I had to go back on reduced hours and light duties. Um, and I couldn't have asked of them for, to be better with, with me in that situation. So being back amongst your work colleagues, um, having some positive sort of constructive activities to do every day, that's helping with your sort of emotional well-being. Yes, it is. But yeah. do you feel as though you're back on top of your finances? I'm still struggling. I am still struggling, but I am I am getting there. We also looked at trying to get you moved to try and reduce the amount of rent that you were having yeah. to pay. Um, but part of the problem with that was the rent arrears that you had yeah. with the council. Yeah. I did actually find uh, an exchange myself. And it unfortunately, it didn't turn out because the house I went to needed far too much work doing to it. And I was having my chemotherapy at the at the time of me viewing this house. And so I was disheartened in that because it was in an ideal location where I wanted to be. It was right near my workplaces. It was a smaller house. It had been more manageable for me. But because of the condition of the house and what needed doing to it and me having chemotherapy, I couldn't exchange. And then, like Sarah says, it had been the fact that I, I would have had to clear the rent arrears for the exchange to go through. So I had to, I had to abandon that idea, and I, I don't. I think I felt that pressurised all over that I just thought, get out your house, go for a smaller one, not realising the consequences of having to find the extra money to pay the rent for you to move in the first time place. I think it's because my head was just all over, and, and to be honest, I don't even know. I, I don't, don't even know what I. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, to be honest. I, I just uh, was thinking of situations to get me out of the financial situation I was in. My ideal thing now is still to downsize from this house. It's a big three-bedroom house. I'm rattling about in it on my own. If we're successful in getting the PIP um, that you should have been entitled to yeah. back then, I mean, obviously your situation's improving. And that's fine because it's taken all this time to sort of get to the appeal. And we're yeah. talking about a situation where things were very different for you. Yeah. And, you know, 
personal independent payments they can award for a short period of time so it may well be that they only award you it for six months and you have to go back for a medical assessment you have the medical assessment and they say you know you don't need that now but at the time you definitely needed it especially getting to and from places having that money available to get taxis to and from your appointment and things like that would have been ideal for you so fingers crossed if you if you win your pip you might end up with a nice back payment